We are starting a new sermon series. I hope everybody got a bless card when you came in. If you didn't, there are some on our welcome table. We've moved our welcome table up by these doors going out of the sanctuary. So if you're new and you're wanting information on our church, we're working on getting new things on our welcome table. Gina Churvin will be sitting out there today. Um, and we also want to make sure that people get these cards because they go along with our new sermon series. There's also a book. We're not preaching the book. We're preaching the Bible. But the book came out with this idea of bless, which our pastoral staff and our program staff at our church really liked. And we've done a study of it and have had it in front of our elder team for some time. And it's the idea of how do we share our faith with others? What does it mean to reach out with Christ's love to other people? I'll tell you what it isn't. It isn't walking up to somebody and saying, hey, buddy, your life is a mess. You need to give your heart to Jesus. That's not going to change someone. Or walking up to somebody and telling them everything that they do wrong. It just doesn't work. In fact, studies tell us that if you walk up to somebody or somebody in our lives and you just tell them what is wrong in their lives, they will go internal and they will come up with arguments and you actually convince them more of what they already believed. So the Bible gives us really great guidance on how to share our faith, how to love other people, how to be Christians in our world. And one of the things we're doing is we're putting it in the little acronym BLESS, and we're going to have a five-week sermon series to talk about this, and it works in every part of our life, towards your family, towards your friends, towards just a coworker that's struggling. You'll find different parts of this that are extremely helpful. You begin with prayer. Amen? We begin with prayer. Listen. Now, some of us are extroverts, and we don't like to listen. So next week's sermon is directed towards me, but the rest of you all get to sit in and hear it, because listening to other people is essential. Eating with others. Jesus has so much about breaking bread and fellowshipping. We're going to look at Zacchaeus and how Jesus went into his home and, and broke bread with him. Serve. It's important to serve people to see the needs of others around us and say, how can I help? And then maybe, just maybe, people get interested enough that we can share our story because that's ultimately the ability to say, you know, yeah, the reason I do these things is because I love Jesus and he's made a difference in my life and I'd like to share with you how he can make a difference in your life. But notice we don't begin with sharing our story and telling others about our faith. We begin with prayer. And that's what today's is about. The you have a Bible with you. I invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5 and also 16 through 18. You can also look on your smartphones. You can go to BibleGateway.com or you can use the U version, the app, the U version of the Bible app. I will actually be reading from the New Living Translation. Mark read it during our, our worship time, and that's the text that we're going to look at. Thirty years after the resurrection, the Apostle Paul wrote one of his many letters. He wrote it, and we know it as 2 Corinthians. It was written to people living in a seaport town, the city of Corinth, which was in modern-day Greece, and they're called the Corinthians. So I thought of us. We live in a seaport town. It's called Plymouth. So maybe think of this rather than 2 Corinthians. Think of it as 2 Plymouthians, similar kind of community. In his letter, he had a purpose. He wanted to encourage the Christians to be partners in his work of sharing the good news. Don't miss that. He begins by talking about the fact that he's writing to Christians, 
and he wants them to partner with him in telling other people about Jesus. That's good news, folks. God loves you. God cares about you. Jesus came into this world to give his life for you. Now, why should somebody have to encourage the Corinthians to do that? Because they had forgotten to do it. They had fallen away from that. They were good New Englanders. They didn't like to talk to other people about personal, private things. And therefore, when you think about this letter and you think about this advice, it's really us today, too. And so in chapters 4 through 6, and I encourage you this week, if you want to take time and just read those three chapters a few times, our Encouraging Words, which is a daily devotional that gets mailed, emailed out from our church, is going to be based on those three chapters. It's a reminder to us of getting back and sharing God's love with others and what that means to do and how we share our faith and how we need to go back to doing it when we've fallen away. This morning, I'm not going to look at all of that passage. Again, I'm only looking at this one passage. It's what we call evangelism. That can be a scary word to Christians. What do you mean? I have to be an evangelist? Yes, we're all evangelists. I like to say to many people who never read a Bible and never go to church, you are the only Bible they're ever going to read. It's a scary thought, isn't it? But that's the truth. We carry that with us everywhere. As we go out as Christians, the way that we live is how other people are going to see what it means to be a Christian. And so we're told in Scripture to be ready to give an account for what God's doing in our lives. Now to do that, to share our faith, to encourage others, and as we're going through this sermon series, I'm going to encourage you to think about a person or two that, that you'd like to be praying for. Remember, it begins with prayer. It begins with prayer. In fact, all Christian relationships begin with prayer. All ministry begins with prayer. We get that messed up all the time. We talk about doing things, and we have programs, and we have all this other stuff, but it all begins with prayer. But when we pray, we need to pray positively. Don't, don't miss what I'm saying here. Sometimes as Christians, we get very discouraged. Amen? Anybody here ever get discouraged? Ever look at the world or someone else and say, I just can't believe the way they're living. I just can't believe this family member. They're just negative and it just never gets any better. And what we're asked to do is in our prayer to be positive in our prayer, to know that God can work, to know that God is working and to believe that God is doing his work. In verse 1 of our text, we're talked about this ministry that we have of partnering with the Apostle Paul or with other Christians today in sharing the good news. And he says, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, never give up. Never give up. Far too many Christians give up. We start off and we say, I'm going to pray for somebody, and then we just kind of peter out and quit praying for them. We talk to somebody and we say, you know, I'd really like to do such and such, and, and then we only go part way. I like to say, half measures avail us nothing. Hear that? Half me measures avail us nothing. Our goal as Christians is to be positive and to continue to do the things that God asks us to do. I like the way the New Testament, or the New Living Translation puts it. Being positive means we never give up. When you pray for someone else, be positive. Be optimistic. A good friend of mine says that when he's facing something really tough or he's praying for somebody for something that's really awful in their life or a situation in this world that discourages him, he likes to pray this prayer to God. Wow, God, I can't wait to see how you're going to fix this one. 
That's what we're asked to do. That's our faith, is knowing that we serve the sovereign God of this universe. It was about four years ago that one of the many mass shootings in our society took place. It was a Parkland shooting at the Marjorie Stoneham Douglas High School. And on Facebook, I did what I often do. Now, if you follow me on Facebook, you're going to learn probably three things. I like to tell stuff that we're doing at church. I like to talk about my grandchildren, and I like to post pictures of our dog. That's pretty much all you're ever going to see. But once in a while, there are some other things, and I just kind of want to encourage people with something. So on this day, after that shooting, I posted something that I just thought was sort of a normal thing for a pastor or a Christian to say, and I put, praying for the victims and their families. To my surprise, I got people who started arguing with me. I had one Christian friend who said to me, I'm sick of us Christians praying. It does nothing. I'm here to tell you something, folks. Prayer does something. We pray optimistically. We don't sit around and say, I have to do something first. I have to pray first. And as we pray, God starts to reveal to us what we need to do and what needs to be done, and we can sit back and see God's work. It's our foundation. In fact, if you look at verse 2 of our text, Paul goes on to say, we reject all shameful deeds and undermined methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. Isn't that encouraging? We're not here to trick people. We're not here to sell them a bill of goods and tell them that the Christian faith is one thing, and then they come to Faith Community Church, and one day we go, ha-ha, surprise, here's our real methods. That's not who we are. The gospel is the clear gospel. We fell short. We walked away from God. God didn't give up on us. He loves us so much that he doesn't want us to be separated, so he sends his son into this world. His name is Jesus. He died on the cross for our sins to forgive us. We're invited to accept that amazing gift, and God has a plan and a purpose for our life today and into the future. It's forever. We're not here to preach politics. We're not here to preach division. We're not here to trick people into something else or to use fancy methods. We're here to pray for people that God would open their eyes and open their hearts to that possibility because so many people go through life with so much discouragement and so much negativity and they wonder where to turn. And we know, as the old saying was, Jesus is the answer. And so we have the opportunity to pray for others and know and believe that God's going to work in their lives. You see, prayer is the opposite of a disgraceful, underhanded way. In fact, prayer is what people want. There have been studies in our society that says 85%, think of this, 85% of Americans believe in the power of prayer. That means your family and friends want you to pray for them. That means even people who you think, well, they don't really have anything to do with God or church, ask them if you'd like me to pray for you, or even if you don't ask them, just pray for them and know that God's working in their lives. One day, we gave an altar call, and a woman came forward and said to me, I'm not sure why I'm here. I said, what do you mean? The person said, I'm an atheist. I said, okay, but I still would like you to pray for me. Hear that, folks? People want prayers. You can have atheist friends. I've seen it before. People come here to church, and they'll say, I have a friend who doesn't believe in God, but they're going through something tough, and they've asked us to pray for them. Pray with optimism. Know that God is working. Start seeing those places where the Lord is working. In verse 4, we're told that Satan, who's a god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. 
In other words, Paul is saying, don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Don't get frustrated. Don't look at somebody in your life and say, man, their life is a mess and they never seem to change. And how come there are problems in this world? The Bible is pretty clear. Satan deceives people. The blinders on. And so we pray that people would see and people's hearts would be opened. Haven't we seen this? Haven't you seen people in your life who have crazy ideas? Haven't you seen people that you're like, how in the world can they believe this? And then we start to argue with them and it gets worse and you feel like you're going down a rabbit hole. We're not told to argue with people. Do you know what happens if you argue with people? You argue with people. What happens? It goes nowhere. We just argue. That's not what we're asked to do. We're asked to positively pray for people. I had a friend named Charlie. He lived here in Massachusetts. He moved to Florida. Do you know why he moved to Florida? Because all the jerks lived in Massachusetts. <laughs> do you know what he discovered when he moved to Florida? All the jerks had moved to Florida. <laughs> you can't argue people out of their perspective. We pray for people. We love them and we care about them and we can always understand that God is in the business of helping blind people see. If there's no other prayer and nothing else that we get out of this message, pray for your family and friends who have crazy ideas or negativity in their life and don't know what to do. Just pray that God will open their eyes. Next week, we're going to look at one of my favorite Bible characters, Blind Bartimaeus. The Bible talks about Jesus on his way through Jericho and, and they're on their way to Jerusalem, and they come across this guy named Bartimaeus, and he's by the side of the road. And he's crying out, Jesus, son of David, help me. The disciples are like us. They start arguing with the guy. Hey, buddy, what are you doing here? Don't you know that Jesus has something better to do? What does Jesus do? He opens his eyes. That's what God is in the business of, is helping people who are blind to see, helping people who are deceived lose their deception. It's not for us to argue and disagree and fight with people. It is for us, first and foremost, to optimistically pray for others. Now, there's times in our lives when we're more optimistic in our prayers, amen? amen. And there's times in our life when we're kind of discouraged. So this is really about learning during those times to learn to have that optimistic prayer life. I was a freshman in college, and I gave my life to Jesus. I'd grown up in a Christian home, but I'd never experience Christ firsthand. And now what did I do? I went to a ministry, it was called Campus Crusade for Christ, and it was there, I started to get discipled, and it was awesome. And they said to me, what you should do, they told all of us this, go back and share Christ with all the other guys on your dorm floor. So I went and I talked to these two friends of mine. I knocked on the door and I said, talk to you, and I had a conversation. I found out they were active, strong Christians. They went to church every week. We didn't know that before. And so we decided we were going to start a Bible study. So we decided the three of us would start a Bible study. There were 29 guys at Moorhead State in, in Moorhead, Minnesota. 29 guys lived on this Bible, on this, on this floor of the state university, and we started praying for every single one of those guys to start coming to our Bible study with optimism. We actually believed they were all going to be there in our Bible study. It got to the end of the year, and our RA, his name was Kim, called me in one day, and he said, Cushing, I want to tell you something. I said, sure, what's that? He said, the other day, I was walking down the hall, and it was quiet, and your door was open, and I thought, ha-ha, they smuggled something in there, having a party. I said, I pushed the door open, 
And he goes, you had a bunch of guys sitting around praying. I said, absolutely. 28 out of 29 guys come to our Bible study. You're the only one who doesn't. <laughs> Can we have that optimism? Not just when we're new to our faith, not just when Jesus has changed our heart. Folks, can we have that every day? Because that's what the Bible teaches us, a positive, optimistic faith where we believe in the sovereignty of God and that God is working in people's lives. And we get back to realizing the number one most powerful thing that you and I can do is pray for people. Not do something, pray. Love and pray. But what are we praying for? What do we pray for? When you pray for your family and friends, when you pray for somebody who's got negativity in their life, when you've got somebody who just always seems to be arguing with everybody and is frustrated or somebody's going through problems, we pray for them to know Jesus. Hear that? We pray for people to get to know our Savior. Because this guy, Jesus, he walked on this earth. He's about 29 to 33 years old, and he died on a cross, and he gave his life for them. And we don't start with necessarily the salvation part. We start with who Jesus is. We start with the fact that there is a person who came to this world who wants to help them and wants to be their friend and wants to help transform their lives. Paul puts it this way in verse 5. We don't go around preaching ourselves. We preach that Jesus is Lord. Hear that? We don't push Stan. We don't push Faith Community Church. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. Pray for your family and friends to get to know Jesus. So you're saying, so you're telling me that if I have a coworker I don't like, all I should do is pray for them to get to know Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what if they're Christian and they're negative? Then pray for them to get to know Jesus better. Because Jesus helps people's eyes get open. Jesus wants to transform our hearts. Too often we make it about ourselves. Dear God, Joe over there is a negative person. Please help Joe quit being negative. Do you know what I'm really saying? Dear God, help me be more comfortable with Joe. No, don't pray that other people are more likable to us. Pray for them. Pray that our family and our friends would get to know our Savior. So you're going to go, wait, wait, Pastor Stan, I get it. You're trying to trick me here. You want me to pray for my family and friends so they come to your church. Wrong. It's not about Faith Community Church. It's not about Pastor Stan, and it's not about you. It's about Jesus. I cannot say that enough. Our prayers for our loved ones, our prayers for our community, our prayers for our family, our prayers for our school is for people to understand that we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's what we're seeking to have people's hearts open to, to understand who this person Jesus is. So the negative person in my life, do I need to quit arguing with them and pray for them? Yeah, you got it. Church dismissed. It's hard to do, though, isn't it? Because it takes work. And it takes us remembering what our purpose is. We're people who are here to get to know Jesus better, to read our Bible so God speaks to us, to pray so we have a personal relationship with Christ, to serve so we learn to be more like Christ, so we fellowship with other Christians, so we learn that God is bigger than us because then we get to know people in our church that we really don't like, and they come to me and you go, Pastor Stan, there's somebody in church I don't like. I go, great, that's the person you get, need to get to know better because that's what God's doing in our lives. 
And then what we do is we pray that others would have that same experience. What are the results of somebody getting to know Jesus? Well, if they learn to accept that Christ has died for their sins, their guilt is gone. Do you think that could help some of the negative people in our lives? How about another thing that's a result of getting to know Christ? There's hope for the future. I don't have to be discouraged today. Then I don't have to feel like I'm all alone. Do you think that might help some people in our lives? How about this one? We learn when we get to know and build a relationship with Christ that God is present with us every single day. Do you think that might be helpful for some of the people that we care about? What we start to see is that Jesus even teaches us things like to learn to think of others rather than ourselves. And all of a sudden, as we pray for people and they start to get to know Jesus, they become like the guys on my dorm floor, we start realizing that some of those other things, we don't have to work them out in people's lives. Amen, folks? That is not your job and my job. That's God's job. And far too often, we start thinking that it's our business and we need to do it because we're not trusting in a sovereign God because a God of this universe, if he could create this world, he certainly can take care of the problems of people's lives around us. And so what we do is we pray and we say, Lord, just work in this person's heart. Christianity Today did a survey and they discovered that 50% of all non-Christians are open to learning more about Jesus. They discovered that people who are not open to faith are interested in this guy, Jesus. This person who lived 2,000 years ago, and somehow a bunch of us are walking around saying we still have a relationship with him, and the people are fascinated by that. And that's our story. That's the good news. This says, I can't do it. God can do it, and I'm going to let him. I'm going to turn myself over to this God who cares and works in our world. There's a new ministry, and we're going to hear more about it in our church. It's called hegetsus.com. It's pretty simple. You can go home and just type it in, hegetsus.com. Asks us questions like, what if Jesus is the example we're searching for? Because people, this is an evangelism program for people who are struggling in their life to say, hmm, Maybe I do need to learn more about Jesus. Then it reminds the people that Jesus was human. He was wrongly judged. He was a refugee. He was canceled. So people start realizing, oh my goodness, Jesus he identifies with me. Here's somebody who's gone through some things that I've gone through. He suffered anxiety. Now people say, Jesus didn't suffer anxiety. Go read about his time in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. That was a painful moment when our Savior's praying. And how in the world, Father, if there's any way this cup could be taken, have you never felt that? Lord, do I really have to go through this? Also, they remind us that he was in broken relationships, and he was betrayed, and he knew loneliness. He was accused. He was trolled. We think we get trolled? You think there's somebody out there who follows you and harasses you or anybody that we know feels like that. You think of Jesus. He had Pharisees and Sadducees and everybody picking him apart, every word that he said. And so then the question for our, our family and our friends is, what if Jesus is the example we're searching for? So let's pray for our family and friends to learn more about Jesus. Not about politics, not about religion, and not about church. Let's pray that people get to know our Savior. That's our prayer. What I'm inviting us in this five weeks is to find people in our lives that we know need to know Jesus, 
and to be optimistic and pray that they would get to know our Savior better. But there's one last thing I'd like us to be praying for. Pray for what's inside people. Pray for the inward heart. You see, far too often, people focus on all the externals. So somebody comes to us and says, I'm really struggling at work. Why are you struggling at work? It's a toxic work environment. Well, you can pray that the work environment changes, or you can pray that the person learns internally to have peace and be able to accept situations that are difficult. Because God does a work from the inside out in us. Listen to what Paul says in verses 16 through 18 as he's talking about God's work and why the the gospel is such a powerful thing. He says, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. That's inside us, folks. He didn't say, though our bodies are dying, God's making us grow younger every year. He goes, no, God's work is to renew us from the inside out. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our eyes and our glaze on things that can't be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. That's our prayer for others. That people have stuff going on in their life that we don't see. You see, we make the mistake, we go through life and we meet somebody and we go, oh, you're looking pretty good today. We have no idea what's going on inside of them. We don't know what, what, what their night was like or something that's happened. We have, we have no idea. Or we see somebody and we go, oh, you, you look tired today. They're like, yeah, but life is actually really good. And then we start defending ourselves or they defend themselves. No, no, you really look tired. Maybe you need to take time off. Well, no, I just went to a Celtics game last night and I just had a blast. My team won. You see, we can't tell anything from looking at the outside. But what do we focus on? The outside. And what the Bible teaches us is to get away from the outside and start looking at what's going on inside. And ask our family and friends, what can I pray for you while I have a tough coworker? Would you like me to pray that you learn to be able to accept a tough situation? Because that sounds hard. We start looking inwardly. And then we're starting to build relationships with people. You see, many people know that they have an internal problem. People go through life feeling empty and frustrated and angry. When we pray for our family and friends, we should be praying for their hearts and their inner needs, that God would work a peace in their lives and a contentment, and that the Lord would change people from the inside out. Too often we forget how much people are dealing with. Our family and friends are longing for contentment and fulfillment and forgiveness. People go through life carrying all kinds of guilt with stuff, And Jesus invites us to put it at the altar and to realize that the same God who has power over death can take the stuff in our lives and once and for all give us forgiveness and give our loved ones forgiveness. But we miss it because we face the outside. We look at everybody's externals and that's all we're focused on. Now, there's one thing in life that I've learned I cannot oversell other than God. It's a Grand Canyon. Anybody here ever been to the Grand Canyon? Okay. A few years ago, Regina and I went to the Grand Canyon for the first time. Now, please understand, we started dating in 1981, and my wife said, honey, we should go to the Grand Canyon. I go, yeah, let's go next year. Next year became next year, next year. About eight years ago, we finally went. 
We've been married for 40 years, so you can do the math. We get to the Grand Canyon, and we drive in. And if you've been there, you, you drive in, it looks like New Hampshire. You've been in the desert, and you pull in, and now it's green, and there's a little ranger station, and we drive forward, and I go, okay, there's interest. There's people parking, and there's, there's little trailers around, and we come into this big parking lot. We go to the parking lot, and we go inside, and there's a visitor station. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And then you walk out, and you go out, and you see the Grand Canyon, and I did. Wow. Don't fall in. Wow. It's amazing. Because here's what happens. We go through life, we see the outside of the world. It's all we ever see. And it's beautiful. It's great. It's green, there's grass, there's trees, there's hills, there's mountains. We never see what's inside. We only see the outside. And we love the outside of this world. We marvel at the outside of the world. And all of a sudden, one place in this world, God allows us to go and see what's inside, and we're blown away. Well, guess what, folks? That's like your family and friends. All you're looking at is their outside. We never see what's going on inside people. If we could see what people are dealing with internally, it would be like the Grand Canyon. And so we're in being invited to pray for what's inside, to pray for the things that people aren't willing to share with people, the struggles that people are having internally, the frustrations, the fears, the loneliness, the hurts, the pains, because God wants to renew us from the inside out, amen? That's God's business. He wants to change us from the inside out and transform us into the people that God wants us to be, and he wants to do the same thing with our loved ones. And as we pray in the weeks ahead, I'm asking you to take your bless cards, and at some point you're going to be dealing with someone, and you're going to go, I don't know what else to do, but pray for them. Pray for them. That's sharing our faith. It's all part of the process of what God wants us to do. Because there are people that we know that are hurting and we don't know what to do, you can pray. A number of years ago, I had my favorite annual meeting. Now, let me explain something to you about being a pastor. There's two things I hate about being a pastor. Sorry, folks. One of them is annual meetings, and the other is the day that I have to turn in all the reports to my denomination. I don't like either of those days. But I come to the annual meeting... And our district superintendent did something that I've never seen done at an annual meeting before. She said, she handed out a piece of paper, and she said, I want everybody here to pray for three people. You must all know somebody who needs Jesus in their life. I want you to just take their names, write them down, put them in your car, put them in your billfold, keep them in your purse, between you and God. Annual meeting was over. A couple months later, a couple started coming to our church. A woman and her husband. And I discovered that they were good friends, one of the key members of our church. I still didn't know more about that, but then I got to know the couple, and they gave their life to Christ. They got active in our church, and it was great. We had new Christianers in our church. Now, you have to understand something else about this story. The couple was in their 30s, and one day he died suddenly. It was awful. And my friend in the church came to me, and she said, Pastor Stan, I need to talk to you about something. She said, when our annual meeting took place, I was asked to write down a name. I wrote down the wife, and she and her husband came to church. And they gave their life to Christ. And they became active in our church. 
And she said, I am so thankful that I wrote their name down and I prayed for them and they gave their life to Jesus. I don't know what I would have done with myself if my good friend had passed away and I'd never done anything. Here's the point. You don't know today or tomorrow or the future. None of us do. I don't know what tomorrow brings to anybody. Not to you, not to me, and not to our loved ones. And we go through life getting so frustrated with people who have a lot of stuff going on inside their lives, I'm inviting you to write their name down and pray for them. That's all. Pray for them. Because we don't know what the future is. And we don't know but today, the people that we pray for, we're going to have the same experience as a person in my church that we're going to be so thankful because God's worked in their lives. And we get to sit back and say, it is amazing to serve a sovereign God. Or maybe they'll live an amazing life and they'll live to be 107. And they'll just tell everybody else about Jesus. And we'll be so thankful that we prayed for this person and the Lord brought them to a relationship with him. And we'll be able to say, you know what? I remember when I was praying for them and look at them now. So think this week... And in the five weeks ahead, as we start talking about what does it mean to love our family and friends as Christians? What does it mean to bless? What does it mean to be a blessing and love our neighbor as we love ourselves? It begins with prayer. As we end our service, we're going to have our worship team, if you could start our music. You might have somebody in your life that's tough that you need to pray for. A few of us are going to be up front. If you want just to come forward... Don't tell anybody else. I'd like to tell one of us you'd like us to pray for you as you hold them in your hearts. Might be somebody you're struggling with. Might be somebody in your family. Might be you yourself that you're like, you know what? I really don't know this Savior that you're always talking about. You'd like to talk to somebody about to get to know him personally or for the first time. As we close our service and we have our final song, I invite you, if there's anybody that you just would like to start the process of praying for, just to come forward and we'll have a prayer with you.